Welcome to Friday Friends, RI Elder Info's weekly look at the organizations and individuals providing resources for Rhode Island seniors, caregivers, and professionals. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. It is Friday at 9 a.m. and you are watching us on Facebook or YouTube or listening to us on a podcast. This is our weekly Friday Friends show and I'm your host, Deb Burton, Executive Director of RI Elder Info. And Friday Friends is when we bring you information that you or someone you know needs to know about. So hit the like button, the share button, all those social bells and whistles that tell people, hey, you got to check this out because this is important stuff. We're going to have a fun conversation today. So I want to make sure that everybody hears what we've got going on. It's it's fun and exciting. So as you all know, we are a nonprofit and we could not bring you Friday Friends every week without the support of our sponsors. Huge thank you to Point32 Health Foundation, Aetna and United Healthcare, Oak Street Health, 321 Media, it England Studios, Neighborhood Health had a little brain hiccup there. That happens. And we are genuinely grateful to all of our individual donors who are supporting the work that we are doing in bringing information and resources out to the community. So thank you all so very much for helping us. And for today, I would like to welcome Dr. Sky Liddell from the University of Rhode Island Cyber Seniors Program. Good morning. Good morning, Sky. How are you? Good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. So tell everyone, what is the Cyber Seniors Program? Yeah, great. Thank you. It's so good to be back um, to talk about the, the program. So the University of Rhode Island um, Engaging Generation Cyber Seniors Program is a intergenerational technology program that connects university students who are engaging in classwork, service learning, internships and other um, kind of needs with, within the um, university um, where they need some interaction with people in the community. And they work with older adults, mostly at senior centers, um, but we do have some other partners um, and they learn technology together. And so we've found you know, a lot of different ways um, to bring the generations together. Um, and we have some research projects that are associated with it. And um, it's just become a, a really great kind of community resource for both generations. That's awesome. So are the students like specifically uh, technology students? Are they going into like cybersecurity and databases and building apps and websites and all of that? Or do the students have a diverse background? That is a great question. And it comes up all the time. The students are not technology experts. Occasionally, we'll get a computer science major or a, you know engineering major that's maybe interested in the program. But by and large, most of the students are health and human service um, in, or looking for careers in health and human services. And so they're in programs like pharmacy or psychology or um, 
maybe sociology, something like that. I'm in the Department of Human Development and Family Science. And so a lot of our majors um, are in, involved in the program in some way. And so all of these um, students are really just hoping to work with people. And from the technology side, we really see that they are all what is considered digital natives because really from the time they were born until now, there's been technology in their lives. And so they are used to just picking up a device, kind of figuring it out. And so <laughs> that's what we tell them is kind of the beauty um, of the program is that you're helping individuals who didn't quite have that experience. They didn't have technology out of the womb. They maybe had to come into technology at different places in their lives. And so some of them are incredibly advanced and other ones aren't just for, you know, whatever reason they weren't, didn't want to or weren't comfortable or had some anxiety about it. And so we really just kind of tell both generations to learn technology together. Um, if there's things that either generation doesn't know, we tell them just Google it, just problem solve, you know, find the manual, read it together, try to decipher some of those, you know, words that some of us see and we're like, what in the world does that mean? And, and just try to, you know, kind of um, learn this digital world together. That sounds amazing. I am of the generation where we learned the Dewey Decimal System and there were card catalogs and encyclopedias and Google. I don't even think most of us even considered that Google, the term, was originally a numerical value originally. Right. Um, so now, yeah, I mean, even for some, I think before the womb, because they've got, you know, play Mo Mozart to your belly while the baby's in utero and things like that. So yeah, literally right out of the box, they are connected. Absolutely. In some um, way. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you finding are the experiences of the participants in both age groups? The only word I can use to describe it is that it's kind of a magical um, experience when it really works. Um, certainly there's hiccups, things that are difficult, scheduling, you know, people who are busy, things come up with healthcare. So I'm not saying it's all, you know, sunshine and rainbows, but when people do come together and they make those connections, it's just everybody learning together. And so from the older adult side, they're gaining access to some of them to a world that they felt like they weren't included. And so we oftentimes use that word or the, the phrase digital inclusion, that they finally feel like they're a part of the world that they've kind of wondered about or heard about. And so now they're at least getting this kind of entrance into it. And so with that then comes these new connections they can make either with their family where they can now FaceTime with someone who you know, lives in a different state and so they feel connected or um, they can join a Zoom meeting with people in a different, you know, I think we've had like someone who joined like an art show in like Paris or something. So it's just like these really cool ways that they've all of a sudden been able to kind of reach the world that they just simply wouldn't have been able to do without technology. Um, it's really funny from the student side um, where I think the mo I, I was telling the story the other day of uh, uh, I was asking the students in my class, like, so what was the best part of this program? And, and this wonderful student raises her hand and she goes, I can talk on the phone now. It's like, oh, can you just elaborate a little more? And she says, before this program, I just never really felt comfortable just talking to like other people besides my family and my friends. I was so used to texting them and those kinds of things. But now I feel like I can make a phone call. I can schedule an appointment. I can order a pizza. I can just talk to my grandparent or whatever it was on the phone where they didn't feel comfortable doing that before. 
And so that sounds so simple, but I think it was such a meaningful thing where it's a professional development. They're feeling much more comfortable having a job in the you know current workplace where they can talk to people and communicate and be a part of the, the professional workforce. And so um, I hope that's what we're doing is really kind of training people um, that they will kind of be the next um, next group to work with our aging society. That's kind of fascinating that how often do we not talk on the phone anymore? And so, yeah, that wouldn't be a skill um, that the younger generation necessarily would have. They would never have had the experience of you can only go as far as the telephone cord allows you to. Right, right. It's, I think there's so much frustration that happens across generations where sometimes the grandparents like, oh, why don't my, you know, grandkids call me or something like that? And like, maybe they just don't know what to say or they don't know how to communicate in that way. And so that's what we've heard stories that people now feel more comfortable talking to their family members across generations because of an experience like this. Um, And so I hope that those are the kinds of things that kind of come. That's awesome. How has the program changed or has it changed throughout the pandemic? Because that kind of upended so many things on so many levels. Yes. Yeah. So in, in, in many good ways, um, the program really, I would say, opened society's eyes to the importance of digital inclusion for older adults. And so, of course, the pandemic came and we received some funding from the Office of Healthy Aging. And that enabled us to be able to purchase iPads, develop a program, you know, create a pretty robust internship model that um, provided us kind of like a program where older people could sign up. Um, through their senior centers, get connected to a student mentor, get an iPad and really work together. So that, you know, I say that that came about and it really, really kind of um, just, you know, brought on this new chapter basically to the program. But during the pandemic, um, most of the interactions were held via Zoom. And so that was tricky. That had the, its own challenges. It's like, how do you teach somebody to get on Zoom who doesn't know how to turn on their iPad, right? So that- yeah. We, we had to start with the phone. And so that was where we had like the phone was our entrance into just getting people to turn on their iPad, click on Zoom, you know, learn these different steps. And so then that's then how most of the, the meetings happened was via Zoom. Um, since then, we have been able to go back to being in person. And so our program is now almost primarily in person now. Um, where the students actually have certain hours at the senior centers each week. They sign up. Um, uh, or the older adults sign up for appointments with the students. And so then they can open the iPad together. They can turn on Zoom. They can maybe practice and then, you know, actually have a Zoom call together later. Um, But that's been so much easier. And people feel, excuse me, like those in-person meetings are so valuable to just being able to ask, you know, just really, you know, simple questions, but things where even where Zoom is just kind of tricky um, and so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's certainly, um, different, but, but better in, in those ways. That's cool. Now, if somebody wanted to be involved, who is eligible to participate in the cyber seniors program? Great question. Um, so it's really any older adult who is a part of one of our partners. Um, and so, For our particular program, we say age 50 and over, many senior centers might have different, you know, sort of requirements, whatever it might be. Some of them are 60 plus or 55 plus, whatever the case is. Um, 
But we really like having a partner involved because it allows for that support and um, a place to meet oftentimes that's a kind of a safe kind of public space for the generations to meet. Um, but so right now, you know, our partners, um, we have listed on our website. Um, and so we try to provide students to the different partners. Sometimes we can't do it every semester, but we at least try once a year to get a student out to the different partners so that, that people can schedule appointments with them. Um, some of the sites are very busy and the appointments fill up right away. Other sites often do have openings and, and people can get in. Um, and so, so yeah, we try to just say all older people in Rhode Island um, can, can join our program. And I know the Office of Healthy Aging um, you know, feels the same way. They want to be able to, to reach um, any older Rhode Islander. And so we have created a series of materials and things that um, will soon be available on the website. We've developed a series of videos and some handouts um, specific to the iPad. So if people are, you know, learning an iPad for the first time, we do have some, some handouts that have been created by students in the program. Um, and so they've, you know, had some experience with helping, um, helping kind of the new iPad users. And so um, those are available to anyone who who would like to use them, um, and and yeah, that is awesome. And is there a fee associated with participating in Cyber Seniors? Is there any anything that people need to pay, or any particular insurance, or anything like that? As of right now, no, we don't want people to feel like they have to pay for anything. Um, so people who join our research project receive an iPad um, as part of the research participation. Um, people can go for free onto the website and get the resources. Um, we also partner with the Cyber Seniors organization. And so that website is just simply cyberseniors.org. Um, and on that website, all the services are free. Um, they have um, a toll-free number that people can call and sign up for appointments. They have a library of resources. They have Zoom calls every week. Um, and so, so similar to that, we want things to be available to people um, without them paying for it. And so um, we don't want people to feel like they ever need to pay. Um, people do need to, you know, for our program specifically, they do have to be committed. And so we've definitely seen that where um, if people join our research project and they think it's just a free iPad, we, that, that isn't the case. We want people to really be invested into learning, into being a part of the intergenerational aspect of the program. Um, because we are doing the, the project to help educate our students. We are doing the project to help create um, new um, information from a research standpoint that can be shared out to a broader audience and help to convey the importance of programs like these and tell people why they work or who they work for and that kind of thing. And so being committed to the research aspect um, and kind of the student aspect of the project, I think, is really important. Um, because yeah, I do think it gets around like, oh, you can get a free iPad and then people just think, oh, I can just click the button and, and, and get a free iPad. And we don't want quite, quite want it to, to be that simple. We, we do want people to be invested in, in learning. Exactly. So how many years has this been going on? Yeah. Um, I mean, we started the program back in 2016. Um, and that was really at the point in time when there, we didn't have iPads we were giving out. It was just people who brought in their own devices. And so that continues to this day. There are some sites who are able to take on um, people who are just bringing in their own devices. Um, but the, the iPad part of the program has been going on since 2021. 
So um, we're now kind of in our third year of, of implementing the, the iPad program um, specifically. And as of right now, it will go on um, until um, kind of the semester. So we say spring semester at URI, which I always think is weird, but it starts in January. And so that will probably be our final um, kind of semester of giving out iPads. And so if there is anyone who is still interested, there are still some possible spots available um, in some communities. Um, and so there could still be a chance um, to get an iPad. That's awesome. So in all that time, is there any interesting data that you're able to share? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we've looked at kind of pre and post outcomes for, um, for older adults in the program. We've looked at things um, related to technology use, um, a concept called digital competence, which is basically just seeing if people are actually learning about the technology that we're, that we're, hoping, they, um, that we're hoping we're teaching them. Um, we've also looked at some social connectedness measures. So you've heard concepts like social isolation and loneliness and quality of life. Mm -hmm. um, and by and large, our research has shown that um, older adults are learning about the technology. They are using the technology more than they did prior to the program. And so that kind of is across the board. Um, the social connectedness piece um, has kind of varied where people, um, we look mm -hmm. at it broadly and we see, oh, you know, it's, it's statistically significant in social isolation and loneliness and quality of life. And that makes us happy. And okay, we're, we're actually doing things for people. And then when we break it out by groups, we can see that there are certain groups who are gaining even more. So for example, our Spanish speaking population has shown that they're learning even more and gaining even more than some of the uh, uh, um, other groups. Wow. Um, people who start lower um, start lower in the digital competence and have lower social isolation tend to grow even more. Um, and so people who maybe come into it already knowing a lot of technology or aren't socially, you know, disconnected, they're maybe not gaining as much as, as some of the other people, which makes sense. Um, it but does. it just helps to kind of understand who kind of might need the program the most or um, who would benefit the most. That is really interesting data in to hear that it's working and to hear that it is really helping older adults who maybe don't speak English or have limited English proficiency to get them connected with the resources that are out there. I think that is just wildly valuable from a social context. Um, you know, to, I think that's amazing. I am a big cheerleader for cyber seniors. Oh, I think you. what you're doing is amazing. Is there anything in particular people should know about how to get connected and participate in the program or um, anybody they should reach out to? How often should they expect to be able to meet with a student? Any final thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, like I said, there's a the partner list on our website. If people just click on the website that's that's listed there, the, the URI site, and then they, they I mean, you can even just go to Google and put URI cyber seniors and you'd probably hopefully be the first thing that pops up. Um, if you click on the community partners tab, that's where you can see our list of community partners. Um, the ones that are the closest to URI is probably where we have the most students just because that's where it's easiest to get to them. And so if people are able to travel to some of those locations, that might be where um, they'll find the most appointments. Um, but we always try to have a Spanish speaking student. 
um, that works. Uh, I think this semester, for example, they're working in Pawtucket because that's where some of the need yep. was. Um, but oftentimes Central Falls at Progresso Latino, we also have a student. Um, and right now we're working on a peer mentor program. And so this is where older people who um, are pretty comfortable with technology, and so sometimes it's actually people who have done our program and now want to give back and feel more comfortable sharing with, with other older people. And so we have um, a wonderful new program coordinator um, who is um, kind of recruiting peer mentors and training them and then working to support them. Um, and so they're starting to um, work at some of the different sites too. And so that's, that's kind of a new development um, but yeah, people can call the site, say I'm interested in cyber seniors, and um, they can hopefully either help them sign up for appointment or put them on a waiting list. Or if they do have the, um, if they're part of the iPad project, they can take their name down, ask them a few questions and put in their information into our registration. Um, and so then um, the next thing I would say is people just have to then kind of be patient Um we try to get um, sort of people registered into the program at the beginning of each semester. And so unfortunately, um, it's always weird because the university world is different than the real world. I'm, I fully understand <laughs> and embrace that. Um, but in the university world, we are on semesters. And so we just started our fall semester. Um, and so that's, you know, we just got people kind of into the program now. And so people call like today or tomorrow, they probably wouldn't be able to get into the program until January or February. And so we might start making calls in November or December to get them registered. Their iPad wouldn't come probably until January or February. And so it's things like that, just to kind of understand that, that we're trying to help everyone we can, but we have some kind of systems and protocols into place based on kind of the university calendar and when students can be available. Um, and, um, and we just do the best we can to, to communicate, um, with people, but there, there are definitely gaps, um, just in communication and, you know, if there's all, if there's people who have questions, they can always reach out to me or their community partner and, and we can get them in touch with someone. That is awesome because so much runs on technology these days. If you're say you need a home repair and you're trying to find a plumber, like, People look it up online. There aren't yellow pages anymore. You know, how do you find out when certain services are available? Oh, look it up online. If you want to apply for a job, well, there's the computer kiosk. And so technology has become so absolutely critical in so many areas. I love that Cyber Seniors helps break down that fear of Oh my God, what if I break it? I don't know what to touch. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm and I really always think glad. my mom, my mom often tells me, she says, you just understand things so much better than I do. I go, no, I really don't. I'm just like more willing to just like try it. Right. There really isn't a secret sauce. There isn't like a secret handbook that only certain people are get. We're just, maybe we're a little more used to just playing around and trying it. And so just any amount that people can just practice and, and not, uh, you know, feel feared, you know, for fearful that, you know, they're going to break something and just try it and just be willing just to kind of try the digital world. I think, yeah, that's, it's just break down that barrier and, and um, realize we're all just kind of in this together, trying to figure it out. Oh, amen to that for life. We are all in this together, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Sky, I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to take some time out of your day to come on Friday, friend. I know the semester's kicking off and you have like a million things to do, matching up people with their students, all those fun things. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy coming on and talking. Thank you. Everybody, the Cyber Senior Program is wonderful. And I just want to bend your ear really quick, tell you a funny story. I'm pretty tech savvy. I got a new iPad and it was my first iPad. And I took it out of the box and I was just kind of like looking at it, things like that. And I saw some bubbles come up on the screen and I completely panicked and thought, oh my God, I broke the new iPad. Ah. Yeah. So I took it back to the place that has a support center and sells products. And I said, I think I broke it. And they said, um, no, that would be the screen protector that comes with it for shipping that you lifted and it's got a little air bubble under it. It's okay. Okay. Thank you. And I have to say they gave great grace for what I didn't know. And what I love about the cyber seniors program is you can bring your devices to them and ask them questions. So I knew once I got the iPad up and running how to use it. But if you don't and you have that feeling like I did, the Sky's team is amazing and is always willing to help because we're all just trying to get through this together and have a nice life, right? So that's, thank you for listening. Thank you for staying on this long. I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you all again next week. And in the meantime, be well and be kind. If you like this video, please follow us on social media and subscribe on YouTube. For more information, visit rielderinfo.com or call 401-585-0509. If you have any questions, email deb at rielderinfo.com.